This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 159. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And here I am, sitting in our lovely hotel room in Orlando, Florida, with my dear friend, Jacob Paulson. Dear friend. That's <laughs> great. Thank you. Yes, you are a dear friend, Riley. And um, it's been a long time since we were in the same room recording a podcast. I know. I've recorded podcasts with people in the same room many times since the last time you and I did it together in the same room. And it's funny because... We do see each other fairly regularly. Sure. And we don't live that far from each other. Yeah. It's just we're lazy. We like to do it remotely. Well, it's not just and lazy. It's you're not that degree. pretty to look at either. <laughs> there it goes. Intelligent thing, I was going to say. <laughs> because you're insulting me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. It's cool. I don't care if you think I'm pretty to look at. We're, we're good. I'm going to spit out my water. Anyway, apparently I, you completely forgot the intelligent thing you were going to say. Yeah. Let me get into our first sponsor message, folks. Uh, today's episode would not be possible. It is brought to you by Guardian Nation. We've made it really easy to join Guardian Nation right now. Until the end of September 2017, join at either the quarterly or annual level and receive an $80 custom holster for free. As a special little gift and bonus. You will also qualify for the Gearbox shipping on November 15th and will get access to our member-only Black Friday sale. In addition to all of our standard membership benefits, including the live broadcasts and training video library. Join today at GuardianNation.com. And you will also be in time to join us live with James Yeager in this month's Guardian Nation live broadcast. And that is coming up on September 28th, I think it is. I think it's the 28th, at 7 uh, p.m. Mountain Time. You know, folks, I'm sure listening to the, I'm sure people listen to the podcast thinking we we just prepare so well and we would know these things in advance. And well, obviously that's not true. <laughs> well, it is the 28th, so you did know in advance. You Sweet. just doubted yourself. I'm glad I got it. All right, so I'm feeling a little bit. Uh, what's the word? I don't want to say sassy. That doesn't sound right. Tired, I think, is the correct we word. We are definitely tired. When you're past that point of tired and you're silly. You you and silly. I, we are exhausted right now. We have spent the weekend down here in Orlando. Uh, we're near Orlando uh, visiting Urban Carry, who is our second sponsor of today's podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're thankful to them for bringing us down here. We got to check out a new product of theirs. They're getting ready to launch here very soon. And uh, we were among the very first to see that. Uh, they were keeping this one under, you know what I mean, like really under the wraps, tight-lipped, playing the cards close to their chest. Poor K, no. <laughs> so anyway, we had a great time hanging out with them and checking out this uh, new product line, which we're going to talk about, like I said, later in the podcast today, so you get a little bit of a preview. I'll tell you what, it's not really anywhere out there uh, as far as in the, in the public eye, so... Pretty exciting stuff that you're getting your first here at the Concealed Carry Podcast. And another sponsor of today's episode is Pig Lube. But before I get too far along and carried away, and Jacob's going to have to rein me in and keep me in check. Now you're just going to skip our training tip? Is that, what, is that what you noticed? 
No, no, I just was so excited to talk about or, uh, Orlando and, and urban carry and stuff. But so we do have a training tip, and Jacob, would you introduce that to us? Um, stairs. That's the training tip: is stairs. And simply like staring at you like I am right now. No, stop okay. staring. Thanks. What I really mean is, <laughs> it, most of us have stairs in our homes. I mean, if you don't have stairs in your homes, you might have them in your workplace. Uh, you might have, you know, a multi-level homes. So you're going up some significant stairs. There might be, just be two steps, three steps, you know, up a porch. I don't know. But at, at any given day, the vast majority of the adult human population, I would assume, probably goes up or down a set of stairs a couple of times. Uh, I certainly have quite a few stairs in my house. And so that's a common thing to do. And if you're addressing a threat in a home or in a workplace, it probably isn't so far-fetched to believe that you might have to go up or down a set of stairs with your firearm uh, on target or you know, searching for or being prepared to, to fire on a threat. Unfortunately, the vast majority of us have never had any opportunity or considered the potential need to train how to maintain a sh- really steady shooting platform while going up or down a set of stairs. And so that's to this, the training tip for today is mm-hmm. you probably should grab a training pistol at, you know, or, or your dry fire gun at home or wherever you, you might be able to do this best and just go up and down a flight of stairs a few times. Not only will you burn some awesome calories, but mm-hmm. you also get a sense for what works and what doesn't work to maintain that steady shooting platform. And it's really not you know, principally much different than any other shooting while moving kind of drill. No, I mean, at the core of it, it's not, although it is quite a bit different because you're not only moving your legs forward or backward. Well, hopefully we're not going backward, but but we're not only moving our legs forward, but we're also moving them up at the same time. We're moving them down at the same time as going forward. And I've noticed that it does trip you up a little bit. If it, Even if you're well-practiced at moving across flat ground, you know, maintaining a stable shooting platform shooting at a target going up or downstairs is challenging and i know that because we filmed a training video that is available to guardian nation members what was that last it's been a while it's it was one of our early ones and uh i was going up and downstairs you did a couple of runs yourself and (laughs) we did that several times just back to back to back to back and it was tiring and i learned it was quite a bit more difficult than you would think. I mean, like, we were shooting at a pretty small target, so we were expecting pretty high level of uh, accuracy as we were doing that that day, but... Uh, well, and that staircase turned, too. That's a, cur- oh, yeah. that was, that's a curving staircase. So you, not only were we going you know, down a set of stairs, trying to maintain the steady platform and shooting at a target, but you're also, you know, you're not going straight. You're turning at the same True. time. And so... We were going, like, three different directions at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, I mean, forward... It, to the side, there's you know there's we can we can have the conversation about technique perhaps, but ultimately I would I would just say you know go grab your Practice cert pistol, it. and put a target down at the bottom. Set your your webcam up with LASR on your laptop, and just start walking down the stairs and just try and keep those sights on target. Do that a few times. If then if then you want to add the trigger press, awesome. You know, but but ultimately if you can just see, if you can just maintain sights on target. Then you're 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 doing it right. You're you're rolling the heel correctly or the the foot correctly, and you're using your knees to be able to adjust forward and maintain that that platform. Yeah, indeed. Go do it, and just know to be careful. And we are not to be held liable for anything that happens. Any tripping down the stairs. 
<laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, once again, thank you to our sponsors, Guardian Nation, Urban Carry, and Pig Lube. And so, shall we get into some news stories? Yes, we should. That's why people are listening. <laughs> so this first one is an unfortunate one. Uh, this is very new news as of today, just a few hours ago. Uh, we're here, of course, in Florida, and we were doing some some activities today. And uh, I think I mentioned to you at some point that I saw a phone uh, alert, a news alert on my phone pop up, saying something about a Tennessee church shooting. And so <clears throat> chances are, I mean, this is making national news, so some of you folks out there I'm sure have heard about this or at least aware of it. And it is still early to have all the details, but they have identified the shooter, 25-year-old Emmanuel Kidega Samson, immigrated from from Sudan two decades ago. That's interesting. I mean, he's been here for two decades. Um He's 25, so he's probably like five years old when he when he came here. This is basically basically a, uh, raised here in America, um, and uh, my understanding is he used to he attended for a brief time this church, the Burnett Chapel Church of Christ, and uh, this is southeast of Nashville. Uh, and apparently he's re- he has returned there with a mask, uh, two pistols. And he started by firing upon a woman outside in the parking lot as she was going towards her vehicle. And she is unfortunately the one victim at this time that is deceased. And then he went into the church and shot three men and three women. But here's the really cool thing. Like I said, it's still pretty early to get details. But uh, an usher in the church there, Robert Engel, 22 years old, he confronted the gunman at one point and was pistol-whipped because of it, causing significant injury around his head, police said. They then said that he went to his own car, grabbed a pistol, and headed back into the church. Uh, and it's, it's there's been some conflicting reports. Like Some have said that uh, Engel then struggled with the gunman over the gun, and the gun accidentally shot himself. Some are saying he may have intentionally shot himself, or maybe that Engel shot him. Shot him. Uh, it seems right now it's leaning towards they were uh, perhaps fighting over the gun and the gunman unintentionally shot and hit himself. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have done it if someone had it confronted him. So yes. I, mean, I think the main takeaway here is we have a brave citizen yep. who maybe was armed with his own gun or not. I don't know. Yeah, like but, I said, we don't have a lot of details, yeah, it, it, but this guy's a hero. Yeah, to the point is that he 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 confronted, you know, he he went toward the bullets. Yeah, he sure did. You know, and he went toward the bullets and that saved that, lives. That that takes a lot of courage and he saved lives. You know, a lot of times what we see in these kinds of things is people want to create a legacy, so these shooters want to rack up a death toll and then put a bullet in their own head and die knowing that that they left, you know, that they're famous or some crap. But in this case, you know, we, this shooter is alive, and we don't know what his end all was, but we do know that it didn't end the way he intended. And uh, you know, his his you know, as much death as he may have wanted to inflict, he was stopped. Yeah, uh, in in advance of of you know, to finishing whatever he started. And, and we're fortunate too in that there were six people wounded, and. Two of them, I believe, are critical, but they're saying they're stable. The rest of them are in stable condition as well. Uh, they're mostly older uh, folks. Uh, you know, by older, <laughs> some of you, I'm sure, might be laughing at me, but 
Uh, I'm a young buck. So, uh, you know, like there's a couple of 80-year-olds, and, and I think the rest were in their 60s. And, uh, I mean, so it's it's sad and unfortunate. Uh, you know, we're, we're hurting our, our, our elders here. Uh, no idea as to the motive or why he may have committed this heinous act. But what we do know, like we said, is that there was an encounter between Robert Engel and the shooter and Mr. Engel saves lives, and that's that's really remarkable. We're thankful to those that uh, that are apparently going to make it through this. We are sad, and our hearts go out, and prayers go out to the family of the woman uh, shot and killed. And I was trying to pull up her name uh, again because I think we should reckon. You know, we we mentioned the the shooter. Well, we should. Melanie Smith, I think. Honor, yeah, that sound that sounded. Yeah, like there it is, Melanie Smith. Age 39. Yeah. She's not old, really. No, she's not. I don't know where you draw the line between old and not old, but... But that doesn't. That definitely doesn't count. <laughs> anyway. No, so our, our thoughts and prayers go out to her and her family. We're so sorry for that. But uh, this is a good reminder, you know, that these sorts of things can happen anywhere, anytime. Uh, you know, obviously, and I don't know about if there was a particular reason why, but Robert Engel didn't have his gun on him. Um. I'm not criticizing him in that regard at all, by the way. Uh, he still is a hero in my in my mind and in my book. But it's a great reminder, I think, Jacob, of <clears throat> that these sorts of things can happen anytime, anywhere, when we least expect it. And folks, be prepared out there. Please, please, get trained and carry your gun with you everywhere you go. Yeah, tangent, Riley, I'm sorry. When we say get trained, let's be clear. We don't mean go to the range and have fun shooting stuff. Right. That That's not training. That's entertainment. Uh, and like that, it's greatly encouraged. Entertainment is awesome. But when we say get trained, we mean get professionals who have legitimate credentials and experience and skills to teach them to you. Yep. Do it. And then practice what they teach. And do it regularly. You know, I mean, I think a couple of classes a year would be fantastic. Probably most people can't do that. But uh, go get a, a good quality class with a quality instructor or school. And, and yeah, that's definitely what it means. So, speaking of which, we've got a class coming up in uh, Denver, October 7th. It's a Saturday. Yeah. Holy cow, it's coming soon. It's two weeks away. A little less than two weeks now. And uh, that's going to be a great, great class. It's our Guardian Essentials Pistol class. You're going to learn a lot of the skills that would certainly apply in a situation like this if you had to draw your gun and use it quickly under stress, under pressure, to stop a deadly force attack, an ambush. And uh, so I hope that you're able to join us at uh, on October 7th in the Denver area. Jacob and I will be teaching that class together. And uh, where, where can folks learn more about that class, Jacob? Colorado.concealedcarry.com would be the easiest and fastest route. There you go. Colorado.concealedcarry.com. And if you're a Guardian Nation member, by the way, speaking of benefits, 10%. you're going to get a discount. Yeah. Th- that's Which is pretty sizable. 10% is 10%. Yep. Take it. Next story. This is on gunwatch.blogspot.com. I think I've been on, on this site one or two times before. Uh, and uh, some interesting stories sometimes on here. This one says, Suicide and Guns, Maryland Study Debunks Itself. 
And you got to dive into this a little bit. But uh, essentially what it gets into is it talks about this study by the American Public Health Association. And it looked at suicides in the Maryland area. Maryland, it says, is densely populated and has extremely strict gun control. Yeah, we know that. Yes, absolutely true. Only 3.5% of the suicides that occurred were in rural areas. That's probably not unusual relative to the rest of the country. Right. And it says the numbers are likely correct, but the interpretation leaves much to be desired. From Reuters.com, it says, in particular, doctors need to be need to pay close attention to gun use and mental health for men. Uh, the, the study results suggest that's because 89% of the gun-related suicides occurred among men, and because the higher rural suicide rate was only true for men. Firearm suicide rates were 36% higher for rural men than urban men. But rural women were 37% less likely to commit suicide than urban women, regardless of the method. Um, uh, okay. So one more thing here. Another, or the author of the study draws this mind-numbing conclusion directly in contradiction to the evidence just cited. Access to guns in the home creates a higher risk of suicide for family members, whether or not there are known mental health concerns, Nelson said. Secure gun storage locked preferably in a storage cabinet, and unloaded with ammunition locked up separately, should be routine in gun-owning homes. And so continuing with this article, and how is locking up guns and ammunition supposed to prevent suicides, especially by men who preferentially own guns? Another conclusion likely as valid is that rural areas with guns prevent women from committing suicide, as the rate of women committing suicide is almost exactly as reduced as the rate of men is increased in rural areas. Yeah, this is this is fun because it's another one of those examples of what's uh, how to how, summarize like, you know shoddy. I, I won't say shoddy research, but in this case, it's a shoddy conclusion of or interpretation of research to fit one's existing paradigm. You know, it's 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 fantastic in that regard. It, it, it's it's like the the evidence says that this that this is not conclusive of squat. You know that the rural areas essentially, you know, same increase for for men as it is a decrease for women, which means that it doesn't mean anything essentially. Mm-hmm. Or you know, as 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 the author of this article said, all it really means is that uh, you know, rural areas are are less dangerous for women. You know, right? But but the the idea that this would have anything to do with secure gun storage. You know, that somehow me, if I own a gun, locking it up is going to slow down or prevent suicide. Uh, I, I don't know where they come <laughs> up with that. I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. It seems like simply trying to take the data to, right. to prove, a, prove one's own point. Now, I, I just realized, by the, by the way, something, uh, and, and I want to make sure I give proper uh, credit. Uh, this article is written by Dean Weingarten. I know who Dean Weingarten is. He writes for Ammoland, and we have another story written by him here just a little bit, so that's pretty cool. But he makes a really good point here, and he writes here, overall suicide rates in the United States have risen from 11.08, that's per capita, I think that's per 100,000 people or something, in 1997 to 12.93 in 2014. The number of guns per capita has risen from 0.97 to 1.21 in the same period, and here's the kicker, here's the catch. But the percentage of suicides committed with guns decreased from 60% to 49%. Okay, so more people are killing themselves. Yep. 
There's a lot more guns available to do it with. Yep. But a significantly higher percentage of people who are killing themselves are not using guns. Correct. That seems pretty conclusive. (laughs) (laughs) That guns are therefore not responsible for suicides. Yeah. Okay, great. Glad we had this chat. And he goes into a point too as far as he talks about Australia and how there's suicide problems no matter where you look in the world. Uh, Geez, look at Japan. Uh, and I have a close, I have close ties with Japan, having spent cons- considerable time over there. They have a very high suicide rate, and they have zero guns, zero. <laughs> I mean, their c- gun control has been incredibly effective. Uh, there's probably some limited instances of some of the mafia having some guns, but their police don't even carry guns. Right, I mean that there there are no guns in Japan basically, and they have a high, you know, uh, percentage of people that commit suicide. Anyway, the point is, and they're just talking about in Australia how the most common method is strangulation or hanging, hanging with suffocation close behind. People will find a way to kill themselves. Don't you agree? Um, yeah. I mean, if you got if you got the courage and. You have the problem, then you're probably going to find find the way. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's a tragic and horrible thing, but uh, yeah, guns don't seem to be relevant. Nope. Moving on now to the Trump slump. Trump slump. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> this is the term that I don't know who came up with and coined to describe the drop in industry stuff, revenue, sales. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of Trump. Essentially, what I would like to say is basically the Obama bump is over. Uh, yep. So we call the lack of the Obama bump the Trump slump. Whoa, how is hey, that? Yeah. So, yeah. It, we're talking about, you know, primarily gun sales have yes. really been down since January. Ish. Yeah, maybe even. <laughs> Pretty maybe much even. since January 20th. Actually, probably, probably, sooner probably not. Since, the, since the actual election. Yeah. Um, you know, back in November. But the, uh, yeah, the fear that, oh, some politician is going to come take away my guns was driving people to buy guns over the last eight years. And with the lack of, of that, you know, threat, I guess, in, in, the, in the mind's eye of, the, of, those, of those consumers, uh, gun sales dropped. And this article is saying, hey, the Trump slump ain't no more. Yeah, it says here, August shatters previous record for background checks. This is reported on Breitbart.com. And uh, it says, according to the FBI, 1.9 million is actually more than that. So it's one over 1.9 million background checks were conducted in August 2017. The previous record consisted of 1.85 million background checks conducted in August 2016. That's pretty impressive because August 2016, that, that's that's pretty close to the election. There's a lot of drama, a lot of fear there. A lot of people you know, think Hillary's going to come steal all their guns. Yep. So they have to buy more. It's actually, when I say it like that out loud, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, the point is for, for us to beat that. Uh, you know, from from the election season to today, that's that's remarkable. Yep. It, it is remarkable. Remarkable because also, if you'll recall, that basically for over a year. So it says here from May 2015 through November 2016, so the month where Trump was elected, we witnessed monthly background check records set during those 15 months consecutively. In other words, May 2015 witnessed more background checks than any May on record. June 
witnessed more than any June on record. And the, the point is, so August 2016 saw more sales during that month than any previous August. And now this is broken yet again in August 2017. That's a big deal. And why are we only comparing month to month to month? Well, because buying trends change throughout the year. So it's yeah. accurate to compare similar months, to, you know. Yeah, to you guys months. buy less guns in the summer. Yeah. So here's here's the, the interesting takeaway or, or what I would take away from this. And I think that the, the, what I'm learning or I think the point to take away from this is that people are motivated by more things than politics to buy guns. Well, including price drops, which we've seen a lot of, actually. Yes, I think that's a... A player here, totally true. But but there's other there's other things at, at play here. You know, just because you no longer think that the chief executive of our country wants to take away your guns, just because that has changed, does that mean that you now think that your neighborhoods are 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 safer? Do you do you think that you're less likely to have a violent attack at work? Yeah. No. Yeah. You know the fact that you know Trump's in office instead of Obama doesn't change the concern of the day to day. Things that can disrupt your world and and take away your loved ones, yeah. And and I think that as as that becomes that's not changing, it's not getting better, and more and more people are coming around to that idea. That that's con- going to continue to drive uh, growth. And frankly, I'm, and I might make some Trump supporters out there uh, mad at me saying this, and I'm not going to say whether I'm a Trump supporter or not. I mean, I, okay, I voted for Trump. I'll admit that, but. Uh, uh, I don't agree with everything he does. I'm sure you don't, and I'm sure many other people don't. But has Trump suddenly, because he became president, made our country more safe? Unlikely. I don't think so. I mean, not at I, least it, not yet. Not in our day. It's too early for him, yeah, I think, to have made it sure. much of an impact. But sure. also, too, we know we see the volati- volatility in the, in our communities. Uh, obviously, a lot of strife and a lot of uh, conflict in uh, communities, uh, racial conflict, unfortunately, we see that, these riots in the streets and so forth. Uh, so, I mean, to your point, Jacob, uh, <laughs> do we recognize that we still need guns to protect ourselves? Yes. Yeah. If not more than ever, uh, I mean, it's a crazy world we're in. Yeah, yeah. violent crime has not just suddenly dropped off over the last nine yeah. months. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to, I think, with some wise policy choices by Trump, uh, over time, we could maybe see some some changes. Hopefully, sure. a drop in 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 violent crime or whatever. But whatever. it's too early to tell. Definitely. Irregardless, the takeaway here is that while certainly politics does drive gun sales, and and so yes, there was a Trump slump. Uh, there are other things, yeah. perhaps more important and clearly more impactful things that continue to keep the industry going, like prices. <laughs> I really do think that's a big piece here. We are seeing right now is a really great time to buy guns and ammo and ammo. Yeah, things have things have uh, cooled off. That's for sure. Next story from wrn.com. Uh, this is a Wisconsin publication, and because uh, we're going to talk about a Wisconsin state of Wisconsin bill that uh, just got through a Senate committee, a state Senate committee. They have advanced. A constitutional carry bill. Yeah, you know, I don't think we've ever done a dedicated episode about constitutional carry, but it seems like we talk about it all the time because states are constantly proposing it or passing it. Yeah. So um, listeners kind of have a sense for what this is all about and how we feel about it. But I guess to give the nutshell for anyone who's not clear, constitutional carry bills or permitless carry bills 
essentially change the laws such that anyone who can legally own a gun may carry it concealed without obtaining a permit. Right. And generally, those laws do not do away with a permitting system so as to allow citizens to obtain a permit so that they have reciprocity when they travel. But they they generally would allow that residents and sometimes non-residents who can legally own a gun may carry it concealed without any permit whatsoever. And there's a, geez, how many states? I don't know. It's like 14. It's getting so hard to keep track of. Yeah, it used to be like a solid like six and then it was eight and then it was 12, you know, and maybe it's still right around 12 to 15 states that have constitutional carry uh, bills in place. And so Wisconsin, some people would like them to be next and it has advanced out of committee. So if you live there and that's something uh, on which you have a strong opinion, you should uh, get to work. You should contact some, yeah. some peeps and let them know how you feel. One of the reasons why this is so exciting to me, Jacob, is that it wasn't until 2011 that Wisconsin had a, con- a concealed carry law. So it's really only been six years since they got concealed carry to begin with. And now already they're they're moving towards constitutional carry. That is really exciting. I don't think we see that very often. Yeah, they're the 49th state to establish some sort of program. Illinois, as we all know, was the 50th. So pretty crazy cool uh, yeah. that they... Now, I have no sense for if this will pass or not. Um, if I recall, I thought I saw something somewhere that said the governor wasn't a big fan, boy, and that he would veto it. Didn't, well... Am I thinking of something else? It didn't say that he would probably veto it, although um, it says the bill now heads to the full Senate where it could be voted on next month. While Governor Scott Walker has previously said he is fine with the system the state state currently has in place, Wengard, who is the sponsor of the bill, Senator Van Wengard, believes the governor will sign the legislation and makes it to the desk. And I I kind of agree. I think Scott Walker is... uh, I think he'd probably go ahead and sign that. Well, we may and hopefully we'll have uh, hopefully have the chance to find out. On to Ammoland.com. I told you we had another Dean Weingarten article coming up. And uh, this one says here, uh, the, the Silencer Co. Maxim 50 is another reason to reform national gun law. Now, some of you are probably thinking, the Maxim 50 what? Because we haven't actually reported yet on this. This is new as of last week. So it hasn't even been very long. In fact... I didn't see the news of this being released until after we recorded last week's news episode. And so, really, let me back up a little bit. And the news is is that last week, Silencer Co. released a new rifle. And it is a muzzle loader. And it has an integral suppressor attached to the end. It's, it's a permanently affixed suppressor on the, on the end of the barrel of this, of this uh, muzzle loader rifle. And because it's a muzzle loader, it, I mean, I don't know that we've ever, I, I don't recall ever seeing a suppressed muzzle loader before. I'm sure somebody's done it out there before. But, but the point is, I mean, you don't really need a background check to get a muzzle loader. Okay. You have to, I mean, I think you have to be 18 years old, but you can go into any store, buy one, walk out the door with it. Just about in any state in America. And apparently there's no, there's a loophole, there's no regulation dealing with silencers or suppressors on muzzle loaders. And so with this product, this integrally suppressed muzzle loader, Maxim 50 from Silencer Co., when they first launched it, they said you could buy this legally, no background check, no NFA, you know, no, no uh, tax stamp. You could buy this in all 50 states across the U.S., and then a few days later, 
<laughs> there was three states. Uh, I believe California was one. New York was another. Hawaii, maybe? I don't remember exactly. Um, but due to some concerns with some finite or uh, uh, detailed parts of law of some of the laws, they decided to suspend sales to three states. Now the news is uh, that... Uh, or this report, this story from Mr. Weingarten is saying, hey, guys, this is ridiculous, you know, as far as the laws surrounding suppressors, the regulation, over-regulation of them. And this example, this Maximum 50, is a great example as to why we should reform national gun law. Yeah, you know, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Illinois require the Maximum 50 be shipped to a federal firearm license or, or licensee, I don't know. That would probably be more accurate. But uh, it, it, this is this is nuts. You know, the 1934, like we're talking about something that is really old. I mean, this law comes from the age of the gangsters. And, you know, I mean, think about the things that we believed as a society to be, to be true in 1934. Yeah. And we still are holding on to this idea that suppressors or silencers or whatever you know, listener you want to call it, that that there's that they're somehow encouraging criminal activity or something. Right. Well, you know, the misconception I'm sure from many liberals is that um, many probably think that the Gun Control Act, you know, put an end to the era of 1930s gangsters. You know what I mean? Well, like, you mean that you mean the NFA, National Firearm Act. Or did I get that? Yeah. Yes. It's late and we're tired. <laughs> we, it is late and we are exhausted. That is what I meant. Thank you, sir. People are going to probably think you and I are drunk in this episode, <laughs> which would be really funny because you and I don't drink. <laughs> yes. No kidding. We but did have we, some really delicious strawberry lemonade tonight. Yeah. Though that may or may not be a contributing factor to our current state Hopefully of Hopefully it was not spiked. Anyway, if we it got, was spiked, we would know. We got way so, off there. So <laughs> the point the point is that the NFA did not get away get a, do away with these things. It simply regulated them. Yep. So people continue to own and buy these things. They have to go through a background check and just like they would if if we repealed this, you know, if if any of the the current laws that are being proposed, Hearing Protection Act and the Shush Act and whatever the other one's called, if any of them were to pass we would still have to have background checks to get these things, just like we do guns. It, we're simply saying, please don't make us pay a $200 tax anymore, and please don't make us wait. You know, what's, what's the 12, current going it's, rate? It's about 12 months-ish? 12 plus months. It's ridiculous. So why, yeah. why? You know, I mean, you let me walk out with the gun right now, but I can't have the suppressor that goes on it. it it's It's... It's hard to believe that we're still doing that. It really is. Uh, and that the rate has never changed, by the way. Yeah. It was $200 in 1934. It was, it was prohibitive in 1934. Yeah, no one could afford that. Now it's not so prohibitive, but the wait period is pretty much prohibitive. So uh, interesting story here, obviously. And, and I, I, I know that Mr. Weingarten's right in this regard. I mean, this is a great example. I mean, think about it. People were freaking out in some of these more liberal states. Uh, or more restrictive states, they're freaking out that, oh my gosh, there's a suppressed weapon that people can buy without even a background check. And it's like, it's a muzzle loader. I mean, you're not going to go shoot up the local mall with it. I mean, <laughs> any, anybody tried reloading one of those quickly? I mean, I know some guys can do it pretty fast, but, you know, 
your rate of fire. It's, it's not a skill that's uh, it's generally the, recognized. The fastest today. guy might get you know six shots off in a minute. That would be really impressive, right? <laughs> that's more than one every. Ten, well, I guess that's one every ten seconds. That would. That would. Be, that would be I'm really saying that'd good. be the. I'd be like that'd, that'd be phenomenal. I know there's some guys out there that are fast like that. That video would go viral. So anyway, cool gun. Uh, if you want one, by the way, the price is nine hundred ninety nine dollars, which is really not too bad considering you don't have to pay a stamp tax of two hundred dollars. The rifle, by the way, it's based on the successful Traditions brand Vortex Striker Fire model, and uh, that that gun sells for about five hundred dollars normally. So it's like you're getting a suppressor as well for another five hundred dollars, which is a pretty reasonable price. So a thousand bucks, you got a suppressed muzzleloader, which for those of you uh, and in a lot of places in the country right now, it's muzzleloader season. And uh, hey, if you're able to hunt with a suppressed weapon, that might be a fun one to to hunt with. Yep. So, <laughs> let's get on to the next one. From the nation.com, a new study debunks the NRA's claim that guns protect women. All right, now listen to the subtitle. <laughs> the subtitle's great. It, it tells all. Listen, yeah, this is good. Women are 100 times. <laughs> you can't do it. I'll read it. I'll read it. Hold on. Hold on. You have to be quiet so people can hear me talk. Okay, go ahead. Women are 100 times more likely to be killed by a man with a gun than to use a firearm in self-defense. <laughs> and this somehow so has something to do with a new study debunks the NRA's claim that guns protect women. <laughs> I, I fail to see the relevancy <laughs> whatsoever. I'm not even going to really bother to give this poorly researched and poorly written article the time of day other than to say this is ridiculous yeah i mean i read this and i thought so what (laughs) that what does that have to do with anything here's the thing (laughs) you know what this tells me more women need guns in their hands yeah, yeah, okay. So, in fact, it'd be really interesting for us to actually debunk this because the first question would be, how more likely is a man to own a gun than a woman? Right. We would need to, to, to weigh that into the research here. The second thing we would need to weigh into the research is, how more likely are men to abuse women than women are to act in self-defense? Yep. Like, removing the firearm from that environment at all, we would need to have a benchmark, and then we'd have that. That would be our zero index, and then we would compare these numbers to the zero index and weight them against the benchmark. Only then would this be at all relevant. But as a standalone figure, it is irrelevant. It, you know, this might as well be. Um, you know, the Rockies are 100 times more likely to be the worst team in the league than the Broncos are. To throw 10 touchdown passes a season. It's like, so what? Like, the two things sound kind of related because they're sports. That was a pretty ridiculous example. But but they actually have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And that's how this feels. And maybe I'm exaggerating a little. But like I said, without some sort of index on how likely men are to attack women and how likely women are to act in self-defense against a threat... And without a, a core understanding of how more likely men are to own guns than women, like this is completely a pointless figure. It really is. And it's a ridiculous, like I said, a ridiculous article, a ridiculous headline. Here, I'm going to use it. I'm going to quote from this article, though, 
because they're quoting at the 2016 Republican National Convention, the NRA's top lobbyist, Chris Cox. Everyone knows, hopefully, who Chris Cox is. Does a lot of wonderful work there at the NRA, especially with the NRA ILA. Uh, he used his valuable primetime speaking slot to drive this very pitch home. Quote, imagine a young woman, uh, excuse me, imagine a young mother at home with her baby when a violent predator kicks the door in. The police will do their best to get there quickly, but their average response time is 11 minutes. So the question is, should she be able to defend herself with a firearm in her own home? Of course. End quote. By the way, that exact story, that very example happened in Oklahoma a couple years ago, where a young mother with a baby whose husband had recently died from cancer was on the phone with 911 while a man was trying to kick down her front door, and she's on the phone giving them all the information, and police, I promise you, police are trying to get there as quick as they can, but they couldn't get there in time, because what happens? She has a gun in her hand. She grabs her gun and she says, she even asks the dispatcher, if he comes in, can I shoot him? You know, I, oh, I'm going to have to shoot him. And the dispatcher's like, I, I can't tell you to shoot somebody, ma'am, but by golly, you do what you got to do to protect that baby. Right? It's kind of like, yes, I give you permission, but not really. <laughs> you so know, un- unofficial. Yeah. Right, right. Which was very reasonable, by the way. And she has to shoot that guy. She just shoots him dead as he, as he breaks down the door and comes in. So that very example happened, and it's almost like they're using this as like, oh, this this is ridiculous, you know. And it's like that very thing happened. You know what we should do? We should find out how many of our justified stories we share. How many defensive gun uses in America does a man use a gun in defense also of a woman? Yeah, yeah. And then we could go out and write some bullcrap headline. <laughs> About how clearly women don't ever use guns in self-defense because the man's got one for him, <laughs> and that would be just as equally ridiculous. The, it, the <laughs> you know, we're going to read a, ju- a justified story here a little bit later where a woman was attacked mm-hmm. and a man came to her rescue. And yeah. I'm not saying that men, you know, we, girls don't need guns because guys got them. That's stupid too. Yeah. That's equally retarded. Uh, it's equally unacceptable. It's equally wrong the the point is simply that let's not throw out some data and then then just like somehow turn that into whatever conclusion crap we want and and try and say well therefore the nra is wrong i love the quote that they used from chris cox in here because it has absolutely nothing to do with the study yeah what chris cox is saying is that if a woman is home alone and someone breaks into their into her home she should have the right to take to have a gun to defend herself. What does this study have to do with that at all? It, it doesn't suggest in any way that the man is wrong. In fact, I'll throw this out there. If women are 100%... Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. If they really want to do this justice, take back all the other stuff I said about the indexing, here would be the correct study. Show me the percentage of the time that a woman is killed by an abuser and she had a gun available to her mm. and failed to use it to defend herself. There you go. And so so she had a gun in hand available at ready at direct access and could have used it to protect herself from her male abusing attacker and failed to do so because he had a gun. Yeah. 
Show, show me that statistic where women are losing gunfights to their abusers, and, and then we'd actually have something relevant to this headline. Well said, sir. Moving on now to a story out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, on KansasCity.com. And a University of Missouri law professor, uh, well, folks are accused, excuse me, the University of Missouri is accused of retaliating against the law professor who wants to carry a gun on campus. And so the story goes, this professor wants to carry a gun on campus. He says the university is retaliating against him for challenging its gun prohibition as unconstitutional. They they know he's a law professor, right? (laughs) Like I'm, I'm throwing this out there. If you employ a law professor, is it fair to assume you think that the person is good at what they do? <laughs> that you must believe that this man knows law stuff pretty well. Yeah. Because you hired him to teach people about law, and if he comes to you and says you can't, you know, you, your prohibition of me carrying a gun on campus is unconstitutional, you probably should stop and say, huh crap, maybe we're doing something wrong because our law professor says so. Yeah. And instead, what they've, what they've allegedly done is uh, retaliated against him for daring to challenge their policies. Yeah, indeed. You know, <laughs> so I just think it's funny that they're making such a big deal out of this because, I mean, how many great examples of states and universities do we have now where campus carry is permitted and like i kind of you know all right no i don't necessarily understand but but if you look at it you have university employees and professors you know older mature reasoned folk folks that uh it's like okay if you had guns in their hands on a college campus that's one thing putting guns in the hands of the students on campus, those that are of age, you know, to be able to do so, I can kind of understand people be like, oh, man, I don't feel comfortable with all these students around that are packing guns. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I don't necessarily agree with that either, but I'm just saying that it would be more reasonable more reasonable that sure. a professor might be able to carry on campus. And, boy, they are freaking out about this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this this is all a, a bunch of bull crap, like legal maneuvering about who should have to pay whose attorney fees because of which lawsuit that who filed against who. The whole thing is really pretty um, pointless. Yeah. Except that it, it kind of brings up the bigger topic, and I think that's why it's gone as far as it has. And the bigger topic being your policy is unconstitutional, and I told you so. And and because of that bigger question, now we're in a battle over, you know. Attorney fees. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what the, what he is claiming the retaliation is about is that they have countersued him essentially saying we want you to pay for our attorney's fees. Yeah, because you made us pay for yours, or I don't know. Well, because something. he made us have this fight over a constitutional issue, which he is more than welcome, more than welcome to seek that constitutional uh, that that fight. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what civil court is for. It's for any of us to go out there and say we believe that one of our protected liberties has been infringed and therefore we want damages. Now, I will say that it's not unusual in cases like this for the other side or for 
for either side to seek for attorney's fees in the event that they, they win, you know, because I mean, it, <laughs> why not? I mean, you were sued by somebody else and it's like, well, if I'm able to prove my case, it's not cool. I just had to spend a hundred thousand dollars to do it. So I think you should pay for that because you're the one that brought it up first. So that's not that unusual necessarily, but Hey, I, we support this, this professor and hope that he is able to win his case uh, because obviously we support campus carry. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of like being a gun owner in California, you know, being a gun rights supporter in academia. And it it's on one hand, it's almost like you want to go to this guy and be like, dude, choose a different profession because you are surrounded by people who don't get it. <laughs> but on the same token, you know, I'll never forget what Chris Chang told us about you know, leaving California. We said something like, Chris, why the crap are you still in California? Like, you, you love gun rights. You should get out. And he said something like, well, if all the gun rights supporters left California, then where would we be? Mm-hmm. And so it makes me think, well, we need more awesome professors like this guy. We really do. Yeah, who can kind of help that institution, if I can use that, that term, not, re- not referring to this particular university, but academia as a whole, you know, progress. Yep. Agreed. Well... Now to our first justified story, and this one, uh, this is a great story. This is the one you were referring to earlier, Jacob, and this is a story where an armed runner stopped a sex assault on trails near Rainy Street. By the way, this is in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? No, no, wait, that's our other story. This one was in uh, Texas somewhere. Yes, Uh, A&M-ish, I think. That sounds right. Yeah, so... This, uh, this hit home a little bit because I used to live um, in Provo, Utah for a time, and we lived very close to the Provo River Trail. So those of you who live in Provo and know mm. about the Provo River Trail, it's a beautiful trail. Probably the number one thing my wife and I miss about Provo is that that darn trail because we're, we're runners. We'd love to run on that trail. It was awesome. It was hard to keep the dog from chasing the ducks in the water. But anyway, we love that trail. And I remember uh, when we were living there that there was a sexual assault off that trail, you know, that some, some dude grabbed some, some girl and did very naughty, naughty things. It was not cool. It was, and it was heartbreaking. It was really rough in the community and it was rough for us as a family because we run on that trail. Yeah. And so I read this and I was like, how horrible, you know, that you got a girl out jogging and (laughs) you got a very disturbed individual because there's no possible way you can be sane and commit a crime like this. And uh, it's not clear exactly um, how far this went. What's clear is that it it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So this happened uh, last week in Austin, Texas. <clears throat> and so you had a female runner running along the, uh, the trail along the Colorado River there in Austin. And she is Thank grabbed. You t- you're, you're welcome, Texas, for having an awesome river that gives you guys all your water supply. <laughs> Sorry. To and so this man, uh, Richard Jordan McEkern, I guess, age 22, uh, he forced this female runner to the ground and sexually assaulted her. And uh, this happened around 5.46 a.m., Friday, this last Friday morning. Police who responded to the incident found a woman on the trail with no shorts or shoes, but being tended to by other runners. News of the attack had sparked fear and anger this week among Austin runners. This man was found Monday and booked the next day into the Travis County Jail. Now, how did this, how did they put an end to this? 
Well, another jogger who was carrying a flashlight and a handgun heard the victim scream and ran over to help. The affidavit told the the jogger or said that the jogger told police he shined his light in the direction of the screams and saw the victim on her back and the attacker on his left side on top of the victim. The jogger pointed his gun at the suspect and demanded he get off the victim. The attacker stood up and was naked from the waist down, the affidavit said. The woman got up and started walking to the jogger to get away from the attacker. The affidavit said that she did not know the jogger had a gun because she'd been blinded by his flashlight. The attacker took off with the woman's shoes and shorts when she walked in front of the jogger's line of fire. Investigators found video of a possible suspect. <clears throat> then on Monday, they found him sleeping just off the trail in the area of the attack. And the affidavit said he was naked from the waist down. So I guess... When they arrested him? I guess. Yeah, this guy was super less than stable. <laughs> but th- this is a tragic story. And... I can't remember the statistics, but it's some ridiculous percentage of sexual assaults that don't even get reported. Yeah. You know, so for every one of these we hear about, it's happening much more than we than we are ready to admit as a society. These things are tragic and they are horrible, horrible, and they ruin lives. And in this case, there's some debate about whether or not the firearm uh, was was necessary to get the job done, right? There, there's some people yep. who say, well, if the if the if the victim, the woman, if she didn't know that her savior had a gun because she was blinded by the light, then maybe it's reasonable to believe that the criminal also did not see the gun because he was blinded by the light. To that, I say, so what? Uh, so what? If the flashlight was effective, then you know what we should all learn from that? Carry a flashlight. Flashlights are great, <laughs> you know. Like. Who's to say what would have happened if he didn't have the light? Uh, in this case, no shots fired, and you know, issue you know resolved to the best of our ability at this point. So, so yep. I, I I don't see how having the gun or not having the gun is particularly relevant. What I could say is this: um, there have been incidents where that flashlight with without a gun was enough to cause someone else to get attacked to cause additional harm to come and so who's to say that you know this 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 poor awful horrible individual couldn't have charged the light you know in which case now having that gun or not having that gun makes a huge difference so it's all about the what ifs you know you, you can't point to an individual story and say that this 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 proves anything it only helps us learn lessons you know, here's what I would say to that. Uh, those that suggested that the gun may not have been necessary, tell you what, the next time you are the one on the bottom with your pants and and underwear ripped off and you are being sexually assaulted by uh, someone bigger and stronger than you, if you still think that that gun is necessary, then okay, fine. I give you permission to, to criticize. But guess what? Most people wouldn't care what it took to get that man to stop assaulting them. So shut your mouths. <laughs> yeah. I know I know we're we're preaching to the choir here. I'm sure no one in our audience was probably thinking that, but th- this is some of the things we saw in the media this week. Yeah, there there are plenty of news stories who instead of saying, "Oh my gosh, we have a problem as a society and we need to address address it," they're instead just saying yeah, yeah, but don't don't try and use this as an example about gun rights because the gun had nothing to do with it. Bullcrap. 
Who cares? Who cares? Bull crap, yes. All right, so next justified story. And that was a good one, by the way. I mean, that's, I love seeing that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, that is such a, uh, that is just a, an ideal example you know of, what, of a good man with a gun stopping, maybe not a bad man with a gun, but stopping something really bad from happening. And guess what? Most states' laws, sexual assaults is a completely justified situation to draw a gun on and yep. perhaps even fire shots. Yep. Here's another crazy thing that we didn't say that we probably should have said. You know, how many of you guys go for runs and you don't have a gun? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's props. Not, it's props not. to this dude who's running out for a run and is packing heat and a flashlight. Yeah. It's not easy to carry a gun and, and jog and go, f- you know, do physical activities like that. No, it's probably going to require a different rig and a different gun. But uh, I just so anyway, shout out, you know, to yep. this consult carrier who said, if I'm going to run at five in the morning when it's probably still dark outside, I'm going to take my gun. I'm, I'm going to take a flashlight. I'm going to be ready. You know what makes it, makes it easy for me to uh, carry my gun when I go running? The Brave Response Holster. Oh, shameless plug. <laughs> nice one, Riley. Nice one. It's true though. No, that, totally. that is that is my go-to. You got to tighten it up holster. a little bit tighter than your average daily carry. Sure, but sure. It, it gets the job done. Sure. Yeah. No. It's it's great for that because I'm throwing on the the basketball shorts, you know, the gym shorts, and that's it's not Proof a good that way. To... Riley's not a real runner. Us real runners, running shorts. Us real runners know that if if we see anyone running with basketball shorts on, they're they're a jogger. I don't care. I'm not saying you shouldn't jog you or run. Are, you're a former, you know, big time state champion cross country runner. Uh, that, that, <laughs> not, that, was that a stretch? That was not perfectly accurate. <laughs> it is is worth saying that I I was a runner in a very serious way and ran every day for a very long time. But anyway, us runners are, <laughs> I am not a are runner. snobby about you know non runners being called runners. So you go put yes, your basketball, throw shorts on my basketball shorts on, and you go get some calories burned. <laughs> but that you're not a runner just because you wear basketball shorts. Oh boy! All right, delivery driver shot in back shoots one suspect, three sought. Yes, that's a that's a mouthful of a headline. <laughs> um, so let me rewrite the headline real quickly. Okay, pizza delivery driver gets shot in back, returns fire on suspects, hits one of them. Is that nice. better? That's great. And okay. there were three suspects, or there are four, four, four suspects, suspects yeah. and three are still being sought. Correct. After. One one was shot by the victim, who in this case is a pizza delivery driver. So I like I love this story because <laughs> this is someone who takes a shot and then uh, keeps fighting. Real quick, though, who is the journalist that wrote these headlines and the sub headline? Because then it says two people were shot after the attempted robbery of a delivery driver. They make it sound like. Two innocent people <laughs> were shot, or something. You know, it's, when it's one a, of those is the bad guy. Yeah, it's and, an AP story. We don't know who the journalist is, but they should be fired for sure. <laughs> I, t- I mean, it's one thing to bury a lead; it's another thing to confuse your reader. <laughs> so, what's uh, okay? Here's the rundown: Two people were shot after the, after the attempted robbery of a d- delivery driver in Atlanta turned into a shootout. Whoa, was it the OK Corral? <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta police tell news outlets the shooting happened Tuesday night when a driver delivering Chinese food was stopped by two women in northeast Atlanta and two men then approached from behind. Police say one of the men shot the driver in the back. Ooh, that's low. The victim returned fire, hitting one of the men in the leg. 
Officers arrested that man a short distance away from the initial scene. Police are looking for the two women and the other man, both the driver and the arrested suspect, suffered non-life-threatening injuries. And police believe robbery was the motive in the initial shooting. Now, this is reported on usnews.com. This is remarkable. It's remarkable because the guy is shot in the back, so he doesn't see it coming. Uh, he may not even be aware or know wh- who or where the threat is. And how easy is it for a guy to follow up with another shot? I mean, like, and somehow he's able to whip around, draw his own weapon, and return fire and hit the dude. Yeah, this is also remarkable because a lot of us like to believe or would, would love to believe, frankly, myself included, that that if someone's motive in committing a crime is to get away with some valuable stuff, then they don't want to shoot me. They they just want the cash, you know, and maybe some pizza. And that wasn't the case here because this is a situation where they didn't like issue a command and then he disobeyed so they shot him. He's just well, standing there. That we know. That we know. I mean, the the way the story reads to me, yeah, is he doesn't even know he's being robbed at this point that he gets shot. That yep. they were shooting first, taking money later. That is the way it sounds. I mean, this guy. He was a target because he's a delivery yeah, driver. Yeah, it, it sounds And they to think me he's got cash on Like him. they were going to murder him for the cash. Yeah. Bunch so, of low, sick low lives. Yeah, so the next, you know, next time you think that, oh, criminals just want the cash, give it to them and let them go. Yeah, maybe that happens a lot, but it doesn't happen that way every time, does it? Here, here's the thing. The other thing I see from this story is we've got to be situationally aware. And, and that's easier said than done, of course. But clearly, I mean, he is, he's ambushed. And he doesn't see it coming. And I, I, maybe you could do everything right and still mess up somewhere. But, you know, this is just a great reminder to be, especially when, when you're in those situations where it's, where it's called for, you know, to be ultra aware. And if it's late like this, you know, it's Tuesday night. It's dark. He's a pizza delivery driver. I mean, those guys tend to be a target. It's not the heck. We had the interview with uh, shoot, what's his bucket uh, in Philly that was shot in the arm and then hit him in the hip, and he returned fire. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it this pizza delivery. Uh, yep. And I tell you, these guys need a raise because pizza delivery drivers are targets these days. I'm looking for that episode, by the way. Oh, yeah, same, same. I was like, oh, I should pull that up real quick. Yeah, I can't find and, it. And uh, I remember the title's like, the, oh, here it is, episode 102. Oh, good work. I felt the bullet go through my arm and hit my gun. That was a great episode. And his name's Ty Fredericks. There you go. Sorry, Ty, if you're listening. Couldn't remember your name off the top of my head, but uh, there we go. And that was such a great interview. Uh Go back and listen to episode 102 if you get a chance, if you didn't uh, hear it already. Or re-listen to it if you have listened to it already. Because uh, that's just really fascinating, you know, his his experience. So this is a very similar story, and we're glad, you know, it worked out as far as the pizza delivery driver. He chose not to be a victim. That's he right. He returned fire. He was able to put an end to the fight. Yeah, and, and usually in situations like this, when you get four four bad guys and gals, and one of them's arrested, it generally is going to lead to the capture of the others. Oh yeah, sooner than later. So we're going to get some A little criminals investigation off the on on yep. their phones and social media, and they're gonna they're gonna find them. Yep, they're gonna get them. 
Final Justified Story, and uh, I was excited to get to this one. So excited, in fact, I said earlier, Albuquerque, when this was the story I was thinking of when I said that. This is a gas station worker, tired of being sitting duck, shoots robbery suspect. This is a Circle, Circle K gas station in Albuquerque. Uh, she has been, and here's the, the, this is a really unfortunate part of the story. I think it's lame, frankly. A gas station worker has been suspended for two weeks for shooting a robbery suspect. But in an interview, the worker said she's sticking to her guns. And I'm glad for that. She said, I grabbed my gun from my pocket, I cocked it, and I shot, said Jennifer Wirtz, who shot the robbery suspect. I'm sick and tired of being a sitting duck. And she talks about that because this is not the first time that she's been robbed. Yeah, you know, and it's the same kind of story where in the majority of you know gas station robberies, do the clerks get shot? No, probably yeah. not. But has it happened? Sure has. And, and so how vulnerable she must feel standing there and watching people come in and hold her up at gunpoint. And so this is a time where, according, according to the report, a 23-year-old Farron Mendez okay, walked, into the gore, walked into the Circle K and pointed a gun at her immediately. And so she reacted quickly. She, she drew her gun as she said it. She cocked it and she shot. And she hit the, the suspect in the chest, and he is expected to live. But, uh, yeah, her employer d- didn't, doesn't feel warm and fuzzy about that. Yep. Now, this is interesting. Interesting. It says that she, she says she had the gun at work clearly visible on her hip because it's become a dangerous place to be. Quoting her, robberies have been going on like this for the past few weeks. They have done nothing to protect me, and I felt the need to protect myself, end quote, Wirtz said. This is fascinating because she's basically saying, look, I work here. I'm the one that keeps getting robbed. I'm the one that is being forced to defend myself because my company won't do anything about it. So yeah. she took matters into her own hands. This is, you know, shame on Circle K on this one. Because if it's one thing to have not foreseen, you know, that something could happen and, and to have proactively, proactively, what's the word I'm looking for? Proactively, yeah. yeah. Proactively had taken some action to to prevent that that thing from happening. It's something else altogether though to have had something happen repeatedly and have done nothing whatsoever to prevent it from happening again. And and so I think employers yeah. have a duty to protect their employees when they're on the job. I think that that that's an inherent it's a uh, obligation expectation. Yeah, absolutely. I work for you. You should be concerned with my safety when I'm working for you. That's right. That's right. And and here, I think what's even more ridiculous is that she says, okay, so you, you guys aren't going to do squat to protect me. So I'm going to carry this gun openly. <laughs> it's not like she's hiding it. It's not like she's sneaking it into work. <laughs> she's carrying it openly where the employer could have or should have seen it. And now they're all upset about it. I mean, yeah. shame on you twice. You know, shame on you for not doing anything to change the situation, and shame on you for now being upset when someone else did. Indeed. Good for her. She's got three young kids of her own to, t- to, think, to think of and to take care of, and a disabled mother whom she cares for. And I am just thankful that she survived, that she, well, that she won that gunfight, and that she's going home to her family, because yep. there would be no one to c- care for her mom or her kids. So what episode was it? It's episode 80 something where, you know, we had a guy go into a gas station and try and oh, yeah. kidnap 
abduct that was, the uh, clerks Charles... behind the counter. Charles wow. Russell was our was our good guy. Yep. And and I mean, talk about how these things can go. You know that that bad guy was going to abduct this woman and told her that he was going to bury her where no one would find her body. That if it hadn't been for Charles Russell showing up on the scene, taking action with his own gun, she would be buried in a deep hole somewhere. Yeah. So now, now we have this this young lady who says, who by the way, heaven forbid, you know, the NRA was right about this one. <laughs> you know, indeed, this right? is a woman who defended herself with a gun. Who's who's who knows what would have happened? You yep, know, she got the job done. And uh, episode eighty was our interview with Charles Russell. Title of that one is "I seen." This is quoting him from that interview. I seen the look on her face, and he said, "I have a gun, and I will kill you." And uh, thankfully, Charles was right there and was able to defend her and defend himself. I'm just disappointed you didn't even try and use the Charles accent. <laughs> I, I have too much respect for the guy to, you know, try and try and pull off some Tennessee Southern. <laughs> Indeed, uh, he—that's right, Tennessee uh, Chattanooga. It was out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Which we were just hanging out with some some nice folks from Tennessee this weekend, and, and they had. Some of them had the accent, some did not. But it, yeah. it, I sure, I sure love listening to those people fun. talk. Humble people, yeah, wonderful people. So good, good job uh, to this young lady, and shame on you, Circle K. There you have it. That wraps up our justified stories for the the week, uh, and in fact, all of our news stories. But we do have one little thing to get to, <clears throat> and that is, we told you we talked about uh, Urban Carry and a new product they have coming. Now, some of you are familiar with Urban Carry. If you are, you're you know them for the uh, holster that is like a it's basically a pouch that goes down the pant down basically your pant leg clips to your belt has a little fold that goes over top of the clip it's magnetically held there to draw it you grab that fold you pull it straight up and it presents the gun it pulls the gun from down below brings it up to your hand you're able to grab it use it that sort of thing okay. Uh, very slick marketing, cool videos that they put online. Uh, apparently, been very popular. They've sold many, many tens of thousands of these things. Yeah, I mean, this is a company that's been very successful. They, the company, just I mean, had instant success when uh, a video went viral showing people using this holster. Uh, it's a pretty quick presentation to gun. Uh, a lot of people who traditionally don't like carrying in the appendix position really like this holster because the gun doesn't sit directly on that torso, on your waist. It's it's sitting down below in the pant leg, and but it still has a very quick access. And so they've done very well. Uh, companies based here in Orlando. And how many? They said they have 50-something employees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, about four years now, I think, mm-hmm. in the making. They're at all the major trade shows. So this this is a this is a popular product, and you know I'm sure they have some haters out there, like all all big successful companies do. But all around, you know what? They have proven that they have a product that's viable in the marketplace, and that it works uh, for for people, and they've done really well. And so when they said, "Hey, come down to Orlando, and we're going to show you guys our new product." I had no idea what to expect. I was like, are we going to pour more, pull more guns out of our pants? Or like, what's <laughs> what's the plan here? And that, that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. And and so we came down. We met Dave and Don, owners of Urban Carry. Wonderful, kind people, married couple. Uh, they've been so gracious to us. Uh, but we had the chance firsthand to see the Revo. And Revo is not just a holster. It's a system. 
Yeah, and this is the way that, that Dave introduced it. And I'm, I'm going to do him him the, the credit of, of explaining it this way to everybody else. Imagine that you want to have all the holsters. You want to have an IWB holster. You want an OWB holster. You want a shoulder holster. An appendix. An appendix holster. You want an ankle holster. Drop leg. Drop leg holster. You want to have... Did miss anything? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Duty belt. Uh, you know, you want to have one of everything for your gun. You know, you love your Glock 19, and so you want all of these different holsters for a Glock 19. So you or you want out, three of them. Or sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Let's, in fact, let's say you carry a couple different guns, and so <laughs> yeah, you, you that's a that's a lot of product. Yep. You're gonna spend over a thousand dollars. You know potentially a couple thousand dollars, frankly, uh, to have all those different holsters for all those different situations. And, and most of us, most of you are listening to this say, well, I would never do that. Like, I don't need all of those. And that's totally fine. But that's not, that, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm setting this up here. So give me a chance, okay? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So you, you could go and spend all that money on all those holsters, or you could get the Revo. And the Revo, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this detail and I'll let Riley keep it going. But essentially what you have is a system of shells and rigs. Uh-huh. And the shell is the word that, that Revo is using to describe what I would call the pocket, uh, the gun pocket, or you could even call it the holster. But by itself, it's just a pocket uh, that the gun goes into, made of leather, the kind of quality it that you would expect. form-fitted. I mean, when you say pocket, it. I mean... This is form-fitted to the gun. Yes, form-fitted uh, leather. to the gun. It's high-quality, high-grade saddle-grade yep. leather. Different right-hand versus left-hand. So we're talking yep. about a couple hundred skews. Yep. And uh, it, it's it's got a leather... Uh, or not leather, excuse me. It's, it's made of leather. It's got a Velcro yeah. patch thing. Yeah. So uh, like on the yeah. back of the holster where it would typically be attached... Uh, to a backing plate or something. I mean, essentially what we have is a, a round backing plate that's, what, three or four inches in diameter. And it, it, it's it's leather, but then that, that is backed with Velcro. Yeah, with... Well, okay, think, so yeah. so this is essentially an attachment point. You have your, your holster pouch. Um, and by the way, it's, it's nice leather. It is uh, reinforced open top. Uh, it's... It feels nice. Uh, seems like you know a, a really high quality leather product. And I think they said that's going to sell. I mean, it's going to be left less than fifty bucks for yeah. one of these. And, uh, and this is a company that has a reputation for quality leather work. I yeah. mean, they are not messing around. True, true, true. It, just so I'm so it's clear, so someone doesn't get confused. Fifty dollars or less. I, I'm not going to give exact number, and they didn't really give us an exact number yet. This has not been released yet, and is not being released till October 19th. 19th. October 19th. And so, so there's some, some details still up in the air, but we know it's going to be basically less than 50 bucks to buy a shell or the holster piece for any one of your specific guns. And then it's got that Velcro backing. It's a round kind of patch thing attached to that leather pouch. And then that is the secret you know, sauce. That's the secret ingredient that you can now have an OWB backing plate, if, just for lack of a better term. Yeah, they're you calling have it a, a rig. Yeah, rig. Sure. Uh, you can have an IWB one, uh, appendix one, drop leg hold. I mean, you can have all these configurations. And so you buy the shell, if you will, for a specific gun. And then you can buy any combination of these other rigs, however you want to carry. And 
it's it's difficult to explain how you exactly attach it. <laughs> it's far more than just Velcro because right. they they recognize out of the gate that Velcro is not enough to retain that gun. I mean, it's and 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 maybe in some of these it would maybe an IWB Velcro would be plenty. But in OWB or maybe as an ankle rig, it, it might not be pl- enough. And so it's yep. got sort of this, um, you know, almost like these these. I'll, you know, I'll use the word plates because I can't think of something. But these leather straps that kind of close in over the top of the now attached Velcro uh, attachment point that that give it added, you know, security and retention mm-hmm. to and they the, snap the in place. Yeah, they snap like, and, and, it's and so legit. it holds it in pretty securely. Now, the other thing that we haven't said yet, and this is kind of where the word Revo comes in to some degree, because Revo, they, they said, is short for Revolve in, in one, one regard. Mm. And the cool thing about this, this concept of being able to attach my gun shell pocket holster thing to any of these given rigs, which are what we're calling you know, these, these backing plates, is that I can do it at any angle I want. So if I want just straight vertical attachment, great. Zero if I, cant. Right. If I if I want for a forward cant, a rear cant, you know, depending if in where what position I'm carrying, maybe mm-hmm. I want to carry cross draw. So now I want so a, reverse have a reverse cant. cant. Yeah. Right. If I want appendix, maybe I want it straight. Maybe I'm carrying you know five six clock small a back uh, kidney carry whatever you call it, and I want to really crank that cant you know at a, at a pretty significant angle. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I want it at fifty sixty degrees because for some people that's a lot more comfortable. Uh, great, you know, that you could do that. So so that's the other cool thing about this, the Revo, is in, in addition to kind of having this modular system of rigs to go with any given shell, um, you also can adjust that cant on any one of those given rigs as much as you want. Now, now here's the interesting thing, and I, I think this is where some people might not t- quite get it. When this comes out on October 19th and you go check it out, you're going to say, wait a minute, this is an expensive, this is an expensive rig. Because the cost to get the shell for my gun and then the IWB backing plate rig thing um, together is, 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 is going to be more than probably your average IWB holster. And while that's true, it, that, that, I give it to you. As you start adding additional rigs, if you now say, you know what, I'd also like to get the OWB one. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Now I have two holsters here, essentially, good to go, that are adjustable and can't. And collectively, that's now you've spent less than you would have spent to buy two holsters. And the yep. more of these rigs that you buy to use your gun shell on, yep. the more economic you actually are are, are being with, with the money you're spending. Yep. You want, you want to do some math with me? Uh-oh. <laughs> Think of it this way. Okay, you buy one shell and one you know, rig or backer plate, and that's one holster. Okay. Yeah. You buy a second backer plate, and that's two holsters. Okay. For the price of less than two. Now, let's say you want to carry a different gun as well. Sometimes, so you add a second shell. So you have two shells and two rigs or backer plates, and that's not just two holsters. That's four. Holsters. Yeah. You effectively now have four holsters, but you've. This is like voodoo math. This is like crazy math. Like my mind is exploding. It, it, it yeah, multiplies. You can, you can get a lot of configurations with a lot of guns and the, the more you scale that, the more economic it is. So, and I'm not joking, by the way. It multiplies. So if you had two <laughs> shells and three rigs, it's six holsters I, for the price of like three. I, I do get it, Riley. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like you think that you, you, 
You, you still got to help me with the math. I do not get out <laughs> pen and paper. I do understand how this works. Wait, wait if you... <laughs> Please. If you add one more rig. <laughs> I, we, I think we get it now. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a genius and wonderful concept. And, and in fact, it's fun because they said, you know, Revo, what does that stand for? And they're like, well, it revolves, but it's also revolutionary. And I, it's, it's, they're not the first ones to have this idea of a modular carry system. Um, Alien Gear has a... Shapeshift. A, yeah, the Shapeshift, which, which conceptually has some similarities. Uh, other companies have introduced conceptually similar things. And, yeah, and basic modularity like uh, the, the Grunt-style Defender holster, sure. which is made by LG Tactical, I just reviewed. And, and that's a very typical approach where it's a IWB that can be converted to an OWB. Yep. But the, the, these are generally very limited in their scope. Yes. It's, it's either this or it's this. This system is, what What do we say? IWB, AIWB, OWB, ankle, drop leg, shoulder. I think I got all the rigs. That well, can... there's two different IWBs. Cause there's kind of a standard, and then there's also oh, like right. a, what they call like a big, which they basically the, adds like they a call sweat it guard. Plus. Yeah, the plus, IWB plus. Yeah, and which... it had a bigger sweat guard yeah, area. Yeah. And, okay, so there's seven rigs, and uh, but but two of those are worn essentially in the same way. Uh, by the way, the plus would probably be more comfortable for a small back. Yeah. Um, probably so would. I would almost say that's a small back holster. But anyway, so maybe we have seven. Uh, that's that's a lot of different ways to carry with one system. And and, and like you said, multiple cants. Uh, so really, it, it is more than just seven because... Like the IWB holster could be traditional IWB. It could be small back. It could be cross draw. All in one. Few IWB holsters actually achieve that because they usually have a fixed cant. Right, which is zero, zero degrees. Zero, that's well, what, or or they're or, fifteen or well, something. yeah. But then then they're completely not usable for cross draw. Exactly. Yeah, and and so that's that's where it gets ugly. Now here here'd be a couple other just little details that I I really appreciate. Urban Carry, like I said, they're known for their attention to detail. They're known for their customer service. They're they're a top notch holster company, and, and they're not the only players. There's a lot of great holster companies out there. We talk about several of those all the time. Um, but a couple things I thought were really interesting. They this these holsters these rigs right these backing thingamajiggers that they're calling rigs, I don't know what to call them. It's a new it's a new industry, right? They have their leather on the front, and obviously there's a Velcro attachment point, but on the back it's it's some other soft you know breathable, cushy breathable thing padding. But here here's what I thought was clever: instead of a taking leather piece and attaching it to breathable backing comfortable thing, and having those two pieces be the exact same size, the leather piece is actually a quarter inch or so uh, smaller all around the edge. And that's done so that if you are, you know, if, as you as you move, you know, with that holster on, you're not kind of, you know, your skin's not pushing into the lever, leather at, a, at any given point. Yeah. That more comfortable material is the only thing that's there for about a quarter inch of the edge all the way around. Well, what it does, I mean, if you, yeah, I remember looking at it and, and kind of feeling that and testing that. And what it does, it takes away the sharp edges. Yeah, it just doesn't. It it, it rounds the corners, so it's going to fold, fold and bend and and contour to your mm-hmm. body much better. It's one of those like, uh, duh, why didn't we do, think of this sooner? Kind of things. Sure. It's it's. I think that's really nice touch. Uh, that I I just I yeah. Thought it was there's really a good. lot of thoughtful things that you could see in some of the design choices they made. That's like okay, there's a reason they did what what they did. Yep. 
the clips are metal. I, I always like seeing metal clips yep. on holsters. So there's a lot of things like this. They're just, you know, attention to detail was, was very good. Um, they've actually been in production with these things for, for, I think they said months. So the intent is that on October 19th, when they, when they go live with this and you can order it on their website, that it, you know, that they would have in stock. And, yeah. And thousands you're looking and thousands for. of these things. Right. That they, right. they expect to have in stock. Yep. So, um, there you go. I mean, that's, I know we spent some time on that, but it's, it's a really cool new holster system. I suspect we're going to be seeing them all over the place. Uh, these guys are great marketers. I mean, they're, they're going to put together some really great videos uh, and, uh, and, and, and put that stuff out there. And by the way, speaking of videos, that was another cool thing that we saw from them. And they are coming out with a virtual reality system. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think when I hear virtual reality in the firearm training system, I assume that you're going to put me through some, sim, sim, you know, simulations. I, I, I assume I'm going to put on some glasses and I'm going to see bad guys running at me and I'm going to shoot them. And while that's certainly not out of the scope of Urban Carry's plan, it's not the genesis or I think the initial launch of of yeah. their plan. And the way he he kind of described it was to the effect of. You know, if you sit in front of a computer screen and you watch a video on YouTube with some instructor teaching you stuff, you're going to learn some of that. You're going to retain some of that. But your retention, your ability for your brain to really absorb and, 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 and get more value out of video content is greatly enhanced in a virtual reality simulation where you got the glasses on, et cetera. So I think a lot of the videos that initially they'll come out, it'll, by the way, you essentially have to own the rig, the glasses you put on, and you need to download the app to your phone. Uh, which will the app will obviously be free and the the at least initially a lot of the I think most of the videos are going to be free but these yeah. videos I think the ones you'll see at first will be basic instruction you'll you'll feel like you're standing in a gun range looking at an instructor who's teaching you something mm-hmm. and you might say well I can I don't need a fancy pair of glasses for that but you know what you're going to retain that information a lot better I believe the science uh, relative to you know comparing that to just watching that same video on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, feeling like you're experiencing it as opposed to just viewing it is a different. It's a different animal, and uh, so yeah, it's really interesting, really cool to see, and it, it's cool because they're not just trying to make holsters, but they're also trying to take training to the masses. Yeah. Uh, you know, absolutely. In, in, in a way that hasn't really been done or or attempted yet. So. Yeah, I would say the verdict is out, but these are this is not a company yeah. that does anything you know one foot in the water. They're they're, they're going to jumping in. That's for sure. Yeah, they're going to give it a run, and uh, we in fact hope to to partner with them a little bit on some of that content creation. We 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 may perhaps. So, thank you to Urban Carry for making t- today's episode possible. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here in this hotel room uh, recording this together. That's valid. And I'll also say, uh, you know, thank you to all the other industry uh, partners out there, yep. the other you know publications and, and media companies that were here. We had a, a great time getting to know some of those people, and you'll you'll see a lot about the Revo uh, holster line system product uh, across a, a lot of the the, the websites yep. and newspapers and things that you like to consume as a gun owner. Yeah. Sorry, one more thing. Uh oh. And that was that Dave told us, you know, Dave, owner of uh, Urban Carry, he told us he wanted feedback. He wanted honest feedback and that he would take that and, and consider it, you know, seriously. That it wouldn't offend him that he had thick skin. And so I went to him with one little thing that I saw right off the bat. I said, look, man, like, to me, this is a problem. 
got to fix it. And it's a very small, simple thing to fix. And he took me very seriously. And and I could tell, his, you know, he said he can do his best to incorporate those changes into the final design of the holster. So we'll see. Um, and, and the point I think I would make there is that this is a company that, that listens. And that's why they have a second generation of their original product is because they listen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Today's episode is also brought to you by Pig Lube, and Pig Lube believes in putting the fun back in shooting with their synthesized bacon grease gun lubricant. But all joking aside, Pig Lube provides excellent lubrication for both rifles and handguns with a unique applicator and competitive pricing. Plus, this stuff is made with nanotechnology, and most of you probably don't know what that means, but let me tell you, whatever it is, it freaking works. So I know that you know what it is. Riley. I know what it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It, when you go when you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash pig lube, nanotechnology will be explained on that webpage. And not only does it work, but it matters. There so you go. check it out. Concealedcarry.com forward slash pig lube. P-I-G-L-U-B-E. Awesome. So folks, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. iTunes works very well for that. And if you're listening on, on some other device, Google Play, you can subscribe there as well. You can subscribe on TuneIn. We're on TuneIn. If you like TuneIn, you can listen to us there. Where else? Uh, Overcast app and well, Podcast Addict and all these other podcast apps. You can listen to it. You can find us on. You can subscribe. And I hope that you'll do that, Jacob. Well, I was going to say that apparently one of our listeners tells us that if you drive a Tesla, then TuneIn mm. Radio is your go-to. Yeah. That, that app apparently comes pre-installed on, in the Tesla interface. So. Yeah, and he... He sent us a photo of the podcast displayed on the big, massive display screen in the Tesla. Yeah, it's bigger my, bigger my computer monitor. So it's awesome. For all you Tesla drivers who have been Bluetoothing through the phone, just go open the TuneIn app, and bam, it's native right there yep. in the car. You'll find us there. And if you haven't already, I, I feel free to swing into iTunes if you have that capability and leave us a review. We love getting those reviews, and we appreciate it very much. So it's time to sign off. It's late. We're tired. <laughs> We have to get up early, and we have a long day ahead of us tomorrow. We're actually going to be swinging by Keltec and paying them a visit, hanging out with our man Chad, e- Chad Enos, and uh, it should be a fun trip, and we'll plan on some fun stuff with them there, and hopefully doing a podcast with them as well. So watch for that here coming up soon. A reminder to train right, train off, and train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Good night. That sounded like a like a radio host. Like, <laughs> like you think you're on like CBS New York or something, and it's like, good night, New York. Oh man. That laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.